Welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We bring you theatre reviews, theatre news and theatre booze. I just wanted to say it all. <laughs> I usually say that bit. I know, I took your line. Well, welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. I'm Oscar. I'm Alice. And as we said in our intro, we, we do reviews of theatre, we do some theatre news, and then we make a theatre-themed cocktail to drink while we review one of the shows. You say we, it. but you make it. Yeah, I know. I just it. drink it. You just drink it. I reviewed the cocktail. That's my contribution. And in this episode, we've got three shows to review. Heather's, the musical, which I saw on tour. The Shark is Broken, which was a previous top tip from a couple of episodes ago. And I went to see the new show, Pride and Prejudice, sort of. Brackets, sort of. I think you need to say brackets, sort of, because otherwise I thought you meant that you sort of saw it. Oh, Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> brackets, sort of, is the full title. Okay. So we've got three really exciting shows, but before we get into that, should we start with a top tip? Yes, my top tip this week is at one of our favourite theatres in London at the Southwark Playhouse, which is by Elephant and Castle Tube. They are doing a musical of Gatsby. Ooh. Yes. Um, it's going to be on the 8th of December to the 8th of January. The tickets are really reasonable at this theatre. They're yeah, £14 pounds for a preview, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. And you can get a really good seat. Or you spend £22 pounds to go later on in the run. Perfect. So either way, it's very reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. And the leading cast is quite a star-studded lineup. I remember. Uh, Jodie Steele from Heathers, which we're going to talk about later. Oh, yeah. Was she in the production of Heathers you are talking no, about? No, I think she did it in London. Ah, okay. Not at all. So she's playing Daisy Buchanan. Ross William Wilde plays Jay Gatsby. And he is from Million Dollar Quartet, which we didn't see. Oh, okay. Yeah. Luke... Bayer plays Nick Carraway, and he was in Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Oh, yeah. I saw him in something else at the Southern Playhouse, Fiverr. Was he in Fiverr? He was in something at Southern Playhouse. I saw him in. This version of the musical is based more on Daisy Buchanan's storyline. Obviously, it's based on the the famous novel by F. Scott Fitzgerald, but this is going to focus more on Daisy's story, which I'm excited for. What about Daisy? (laughs) Also, I think with Gatsby, there's so much that can be done with it, the... The scenery, the costumes, the dances. Mm. I I think it's going to be good. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm very interested. I'll definitely book. Okay, great. Let's do it. Let's go to a preview beginning of December. Then we mm-hmm. can let people know what we think. Yes, because it's not a very long run. It's a Christmas run. Mm. So if you'd like to go and see Gatsby, get booking. It's on at the Southwark Playhouse from 8th of December to the 8th of January. Let's talk about one more thing, which is obviously like everyone's been talking about it, is the casting of the Wicked movie. It's finally happened. It's been in talks for ages. Ariana Grande has always been um, in the in the talks. Or, you know, everyone's always thrown her name up as potentially being in it. And that has now been confirmed. She'll be playing Glinda. And as Elphaba, Cynthia Erivo, which I think is amazing casting. I always forget which is the good witch. Glinda, the good witch. Elphaba, well, also the good witch, but Elphaba is the green, the green witch. So Cynthia Erivo is playing the green witch. Yes, who uh, uh, Dina Menzel, or Adele Dazim, played originally. <laughs> and I just hope that Ariana Grande, as much as, you know, I'm not worried about her acting or her singing, she can sing, but it's her diction, because in her pop career her sort of thing is having sloppy diction. I feel yeah. like it's intentionally bad. It is. Um, she doesn't pronounce any of the ends of her words. No. And they I think just all meld into one. And I think that's her style. So hopefully, being a professional, because she started in musical theatre. Mm, um, she's I did been on Broadway. So I feel like, you know, and I feel like Stephen Schwartz is going to be there. He'll have his hand on the rudder and he'll be like... No. No. You're going to have to really punch that out. Yeah, you need to tell okay? a story, so we need to hear the words that yes. you're saying. This Personality isn't your... dialysis. <laughs> you need to hear it, or the joke won't land. 
But, so is that uh, yeah. going to be in cinemas or is that just straight to Netflix I, I know, or I streaming? I think it's cinemas. I think it's a big, big Oh, a big, big film, like yeah. Cats. Exactly. But Hopefully will be... it will be received better than Cats. Yeah. be very Awkward. interested to see how they do it. So that, that's been big news. Okay, let's book cinema tickets for that. When's it coming out? Oh, it, I don't... It's not started shooting. Oh, okay, fine. So, so they've just started it, the casting process. I think with like 2023, I imagine. But I'm still very excited. Me too. That's good casting. Yeah, really Especially cool. Especially at Cynthia Arrivo. Okay, let's move on to our first review. And I think we should start with Pride and Prejudice brackets, sort of. Yeah, I really want to hear about this. I couldn't go to the press night with you, unfortunately. But you went and let's hear what you thought. So this is a Tron theatre production, and I've not heard of the Tron, but it's a Glasgow-based theatre, and apparently they do really amazing work. And this production was commissioned by them. Isabel MacArthur is the author, and Jane Austen, of course, because it's based on Pride and Prejudice. And it had a tour last year after after being in the after being in Glasgow, it might have gone to Edinburgh, and then there was a tour, and then coronavirus happened. But I remember thinking, I really want to see that because I love Pride and Prejudice, and this is a very, it's actually a very faithful telling of Pride and Prejudice. When they say sort of, it doesn't, it's not like Pride and Prejudice and zombies or something. It's the story of Pride and Prejudice. It's a very faithful adaptation. However, they've put the sort of is it, it's sort of got a modern, modern twist. Mm. So the framing device used is that the five actors are playing servants in a house when we, at the beginning of the show. And they sort of say, you know, we see everything that's going on behind the scenes and we're going to tell you the story of Pride and Prejudice. And then they're dressing up and performing Pride and Prejudice for us, the audience. And then we're taken into the show and then we follow the story of Pride and Prejudice. Um, and I thought it was an interesting framing device. I was reading the programme just because um, it's an all-female cast. And during the time that Pride and Prejudice was written um, in the programme, they were talking about how there was a war on. Obviously, that's why Wickham and all the soldiers are involved in the story. And so a lot of the house staff and servants would have been all female because a lot of the men would have gone to war. So that was kind of an interesting idea Mm. that there was a female workforce in England at the time. And so the show opens with them. They've all, they've got sort of white nighties on and rubber gloves and they're sort of cleaning. And from the very start, as the audience is still sitting down, they come on one by one and then they look out at the audience and they're like, don't worry, it's not starting yet. It's, you know, so they're already interacting with the audience. They're setting up that it's that sort of Breaking that show. fourth wall down. Breaking the fourth wall. And then it begins and they tell us that they're going to tell us the story of Pride and Prejudice. And what I'll say, I went to my friend April and I'll say at the beginning, when they came out and they were like, we're going to tell you the story. I just got that. I was a bit like, ooh, am I going to like this? Yeah. And then they sing, because this has some music in it, done with a little karaoke machine that they carry around and mics. That's such a fun idea. Yeah, so it's kind of like a night out at a pub in Glasgow, you know, and they sing, I think it opens with an Elvis Costello song, and I was thinking, okay, this is sort of fun, but I don't really get the relevance of this number. And then they go into the story, and they, they suddenly all throw on costumes, and the five actors in this are suddenly all the daughters and Mrs. Bennett. And then from that moment on, I was like, oh, this is hilarious. It's so good. So they use, it's obviously Isabel MacArthur's written the script for it. It follows the story, but it doesn't use Jane Austen's language. It has some lines peppered in, I'm sure, but it uses, I guess, a modern Scottish vernacular. So Mrs. Bennett's there in a tizzy, but using some quite choice, choice (laughs) language. But in a way that worked so well, it got some really big laughs, but it wasn't just done for shock value. It was very natural. It reminded me of 
you know, when swearing is done well, like The Thick of It or Succession, you know, Amanda Anucci, he's really good at doing that. I reference that a lot, but that's what it felt like. Just the right swear words at the right time to punctuate a line by Mrs. Bennett was just really, really funny. Yeah, it's when it's used as punctuation, not for shock value. Yeah. Yeah. So there's five actors in it. Megan Tyler played Lizzie Bennett. And from what I can remember... I think she just plays Lizzie Bennett because Lizzie's the centre of the story. We see everything in Pride and Prejudice through Lizzie. So I'm sure she's Lizzie throughout. But then the other four actresses play all the other parts in the whole, in the show. So it's one of those kind of pieces where they're, they're throwing on an outfit, they walk off stage, they circle back on and they're suddenly somebody else. Oh, I like that. Yeah, um, and I read in the programme there was an expression they kept using called pure theatre, which they described as the words, the actors and the show work together with the audience's imagination to fill the theatre with laughter, which I thought, oh yeah, that's a really good summation of it because that's all it is when you boil it down. That's why pure theatre is just, you've got the script, you've got the actors, you've got the piece and then the audience's imagination fill in the rest and work with what's on stage. And people's willingness to want to believe. Yeah, Exactly. So there's not, the set doesn't change massively. They just, and I love that when one small prop signifies to you the new location you're in. Well, that's why we loved, and um, still love, um, Operation Mincemeat. Because when we saw that, yeah. there was hardly anything. And everyone does play a different character. People do put a hat on and you're like, oh, now I know exactly, exactly. who you are. Whereas this had a really good set, actually. It was all books piled up and everything. But I mean, the actual scene changes happen so rapidly and the new characters come on. So suddenly, um, what's Bingley's sister called? Ugh. Lydia. No. No, her, his really snobby sister. Caroline. Caroline. Is yeah. it, no, is that Caroline, Caroline? Bingley. No, it's Caroline Lucas. What's oh. Bing? Oh, that's really going to annoy me. Mum's going to listen to this and just be She'll be screaming. screaming. Yeah. She'll be ashamed we can't remember. I know. I'm going to well, look it up. Well, I feel like we'd get there if we guessed for long enough. It is Caroline Bingley. Oh, I was right. Did you say Caroline? Yeah. Roll back the tape. <laughs> you said Caroline. Oh, who am I? I'm thinking of Charlotte Lucas. And I said, no, Caroline Lucas, who's a, a Green Party MP. That's what I've got confused. <laughs> oh my God, how I, I yeah. was right. You were right, Caroline Bingley. The important thing Charlotte is I was Lucas. right. Charlotte Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> Georgiana Darcy. Do you know what Darcy's first name is? James. I think it's Fitzwilliam. Oh, it is a thing. Yeah. Oh, they would, the cast were just brilliant. I can't really single anyone out because they were all playing so many parts and all doing it so well. Isabella MacArthur, the author played uh, Mrs. Bennett really, really well. Um, but they all played the parts so well. Um, she, so she played Mrs. Bennett and Darcy, which, yeah, and just just so brilliantly. And I just thought it was hilarious. I'm, I mean, gonna, I I'm in, I'm going to book this. I'm literally thinking right now, when can yeah. I go and see this? I don't really want to say all the things I enjoyed because as they arise, how they do Mr. Bennett, for example. Is the surprise that you cut, it's, it's charming. It's the surprise that yeah. makes it funny. But the modern touches are really good. When they go to a ball, for example, there's iron brew is being served at the Netherfield ball or something. Just little things like that. So it's, oh, it's just, it's really, really funny. I'm not sure what else to say without spoiling anything, but the songs are really good. I think the song choices, it's not all modern pop or like on the nose. There's some interesting choices in there. Some kind of, again, I don't really want to say like the song at the end I really enjoyed, but I don't want to say what it is because when it comes, you're like, yes. So is, is there an orchestra? No, they just have a karaoke boombox oh. um, that they're holding. I think it obviously plays through the PA in the theatre, so it doesn't sound 
like it's on it, but it's just they just oh, sing. I see. So you know when people you know they say oh entertain us with a song on the harpsichord, Lizzie. She instead she she does a karaoke song and she sings. Oh, you know, like she sings "You're So Vain" to Darcy. That's one of them. That's the only one I'll spoil. But you know, that's an example of a Very Carly good. Simon song, and it just works really well. It's just really funny, and they're just so game for it. And you know, when at the beginning they were a bit too much, and I was thinking, oh, but then I'm like, no, 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 this is perfect. That's exactly where you have to pitch it. This is this is five maids just having fun at work, telling the story of Pride and Prejudice, and they're absolutely going for it. The script's really funny. Oh, and also what I like is that reading the programme, Isabel MacArthur, she actually wasn't a big Pride and Prejudice fan growing up. She didn't know it very well, so she came to it late, which I think is good because there's not too many in-jokes. There's lines, a, a woman, you know, a single man, obsession of large fortune, there's stuff that you can enjoy if you know your Pride and Prejudice. There's jokes made about the BBC adaptation that you'll know if you've seen that. But oh, I with think Darcy with a wet shirt. <laughs> there's things, exactly, there's a good joke around that. But I think because she's not so wed to it, she she hasn't grown up being an obsessed Jane Austen fan. It there's not too much. Mm. There's there's enough references for those who like it. But if you don't, you're not going to go and see it and think, oh, this is just written by someone that knows all the in jokes. It's so accessible. And do you think it's going to tour? Do you think it's just a London thing? Well, I don't know. It's extended till April. Let's see how well it does. I mean, I could kind of see this being in the West End for a long time. I mean, I, I look, I don't want to just bitch about the play that goes wrong, which I hate. I me too. I think it's just trash. This, for me, I'm like, get rid of the play that goes wrong. This is the long-running West End comedy that has something for everyone. It's so broad. And I mean that in a good way. And yeah. I think the broadness of play goes wrong, I hate. The broadness of this, I love. The comedy is works on multiple levels, be it just the hilarity of a swear word, which, let's face it, is funny. Yeah, just everything is also, you know, genuine. The way they play the... When Darcy and Liz, Lizzie get together, it is genuinely like... You're still rooting for them, even though it's done in a comical way throughout the love stories. So they've kept... They've managed to keep the story. Yes, you yeah. still like Bingley. You still want Jane to be happy. You want all of that. Yeah. So they've done it very faithfully to the story. They haven't changed anything yeah. in terms of that. If anything, they could probably have done a tiny, tiny bit more of a trim for me, actually. But I loved it. And I think I would probably see it again. Oh, well, let's, yeah. maybe we'll take mum. Oh, mum's got to see it. Yeah. It's well, it's so, so good that it's extended till April. That gives us so much time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And they're not doing premium ticket prices. So the highest ticket is £59.50. Wow. Yep. So they're not doing any like £90 store seats. It's £59, the most expensive one. There are some pillars in the criterion. So some, if you look on the thing, some of the cheap seats have obstructed views. But in the first circle, the pillars are quite thin. So I don't think you'd miss out too much. Mm. Um, you can also get good seats on the ends of the rows in the stalls are about £35. And again, you're not going to miss much. It's There's not a lot on stage for them to hide behind. Which theatre is it on at? It's on at the Criterion Theatre, which is in Piccadilly Circus. Is that near where... Is that where Amelie was? Yep, Amelie was on there. So it's a nice small theatre. I would say it's worth £59. And this is going to be my my go-to recommendation for from now on in. Do you know when someone's... Oh, what should I see? Go see this. And this is kind of the catch-all you can't not enjoy this recommendation, I think. So it's brilliant. That's all I really have to say in Pride and Prejudice, sort of. You can't really not enjoy it. Take anyone to see it. If it's on till April, before April, I'll definitely be seeing this again. Okay, great. I'll go with you. Yep, so that's Pride and Prejudice, sort of, at the Criterion Theatre. This is a 100% must-see. Bye. 
buy shares in this. Yes, absolutely <laughs> loved it. So um, speaking of Iron Brew, aren't you doing an Iron Brew cocktail? Yes, I'm going to do a cocktail inspired by one of my... that I loved that, that when they go to the ball, it was just a huge table full of Iron Brew. Mm. So I'm going to make a cocktail with Iron Brew, which I've never done before. Cheers. Cheers. So this is an Iron Brew Negroni, which was inspired by... Um, the use of iron brew in Pride and Prejudice. I love the way you just took a pause to sip it. I just couldn't wait, you know, when you're holding a drink, you're like, just need a little, little shit. Um, so you do just gin, Campari, and then instead of vermouth, which would be your usual third ingredient in Negroni, you do some iron brew. Because it's got that orange, you know, it is like an orangey soda, basically. So the orange Ooh, and the... Memories. Um, I'm getting memories, flashbacks. Yeah, I haven't had iron brew for bloody ages. Do you remember I used to get the iron brew bars? Yes, the chewy the sweets. sweets. They were oh, really to, good. Yeah, we used to love those. And they would get, like, so stuck in your teeth. <laughs> <coughs> Steady on, love. Ooh. Ooh. Cool so, colour. Yes, exactly. The orange is great, isn't it? I mean... God knows what makes Iron Brew that, that orange. That's a lot of E-numbers. Oh yeah, baby. All the chemicals in the world. So let's move on to our next play that we saw, which was a top tip from two episodes yes. ago, I think, which is The Shark is Broken. Shark is Broken at the Ambassador's Theatre. We went to see this and we, yeah, I bought it, kind of bought you the t-shirt, hadn't I, for your birthday. And mm-hmm. I'd read about this play that had transferred from the Edinburgh Fringe and was really excited to see it and let's just talk about it's a three-hander isn't it three mm-hmm. people on stage and it opens on the set of jaws film filming stalled it's over budget they've been there for like 104 days longer than they needed to be everyone's getting kind of annoyed um the 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 animatronic shark keeps on breaking and so the three actors are often sat around drinking talking playing games and Tensions start to run high, and let's talk about the three actors, though. Dimitri Goritsas plays okay. Roy Schneider. He looked brilliant, didn't he? He looked brilliant. He had the glasses, started, yeah. the sort of windbreaker. The, the tan, the, the tan. Hair. Very well costumed and makeup. Oh, perfect. Like, so perfect. And he's sort of like the peacemaker, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's kind of stuck between a younger... Um, up-and-coming actor... Well, it's not up-and-coming. He was kind of making it, wasn't he? Yeah. Which is um, Richard Dreyfuss. Um, he's played by Liam Murray-Scott. And then we have... Um, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw, who was played by... His son, Ian Shaw. <gasps> so Ian Shaw had found his father's diaries and obviously was around at the time of he went to visit the set where his dad was playing Quint... And Robert Shaw was a, you know, very, you know, he was part of the um, old Vic. You know, he's a very sort of um, established and respected actor, but was also a drinker. Mm -hmm. And I think he really, like from the stories and from other documentaries about the making of Jaws, he really wound up Dreyfus. Yes. Um, I think he kind of goaded him a lot into Mm -hmm. doing things. And I think Dreyfus was sort of doing drugs and was sort of, I don't know, just kind of very insecure about his performance. And I think Robert Shaw was very, very clever from his portrayal and kind of preyed on that a little bit and wound him up and Mm -hmm. fed into those insecurities. But then I also read an article in Vanity Fair that was saying that that actually made Jaws, the acting between them, even better. Yes. And got a really good performance out of them both. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. So the play is about the making of Jaws 
But that's kind of like just the setting. Really, yes. what the play is about is about these three actors' personalities, their careers, mm-hmm. and also about um, fatherhood. Ian Shaw, who's written this play with Joseph Nixon, felt that there was a lot of respect and understanding of his father, who plays Quint. Yeah. And, you know... And they didn't always portray him in the best light. It's not a, a passion piece just to... No, you know, he was really brave because brilliant. he's, you know, shown that he's, yeah, an alcoholic, really. Mm-hmm. And he talks about that and how, because it had stalled for so long, they had a lot of time on their hands and that kind of allowed for them to get to know one another, play these mm-hmm. like card games, but also um, he got to write that amazing speech, the Indi- Indianapolis speech. So that's yes. the famous speech in Jaws where the lights are all dim. Yes, and, and they're on the submarine. Quint, yeah, starts telling a story, yeah. a sort of war story. And in the play, you find out the origins of how that off off screen was actually behind the scenes yeah. rewritten by um, Robert Shaw. So yeah. I thought that was amazing. And mm-hmm. then watching that speech kind of gave me goosebumps. Yeah. If you know the film, yeah, you will I, love this play because there's lots of things like that. Yes, like did he come up with, um, you know, the we're going to need a bigger boat line. They they make reference to that. Well, they, yeah, because that was actually in the play. You find out that Steven Spielberg said Well, they that. were saying, oh, did you actually come up with that yourself? And he said, well, Steven said, I'll say this, but I, you know, I said it this way. Yeah. So. And it's kind of funny how they talk about Steven Spielberg because they're just, he's like a kind of kid. Well, yeah, he had only made, um, Jewel, I think. Um, yeah, the performances were all really good because when you've just got three people in a close environment and three people that aren't getting on a lot and are shouting a lot, um. I mean, it actually turns into a physical fight at one point. Yeah. You know, it's it sort of the tension really does rise. There are a few laughs in it, like it is funny, but mm, it really definitely. is a play that has got so much. More than a few layers laughs. and heart, yeah. Yes, I thought there were a lot. The audience were really laughing a lot, yeah. But then also were, yeah, like you said, a lot of layers, and they were really um, gripped. I think by yeah. the story, it's amazing. I mean, it's no surprise it's been extended until the thirteenth of February. Oh, that's good. I'm and really was, not surprised. It was busy on a Tuesday night or Monday night. Did we go Tuesday night? Which isn't always the busiest at a theatre, and it was really busy. Yeah, and everyone that as they were walking out, you could hear. You know, when you can just get a sense, mm-hmm. and I felt like everyone really enjoyed it. Definitely. In, in the theatre. It's a good size theatre, the ambassadors for it as well. Not too big, intimate. You feel like you're in the boat with them. It's not too many people, but enough to when the audience laugh, you feel like the atmosphere is good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I absolutely loved it. So Ian Shaw, who is um, Robert Shaw's son, he said that he grew a moustache for another role like a few years ago, mm-hmm. looked in the mirror and was like, I look like Quint from Jaws. Yeah. And that's where he kind of got the spark for the idea from. Okay. Um, and I think he was obviously really worried about, you know, portraying his father. Doing and, that famous monologue. Yeah, yeah, all of that. But my God, he is a dead ringer. Yeah, he was really good. Like, he is, his is, is yeah. freaky. It's think, so good. Yeah, I think the, him and uh, the actor playing Roy Schneider were both, Dimitri, were both looked really like them and had a sense of them. Um, the actor playing uh, Richard Dreyfus, it didn't look massively like Richard Dreyfuss, but the costuming was really good. And then I thought his performance was also channeling Richard Dreyfuss. Yeah, I thought Dreyfuss so was good those... as well. I just felt like I don't know that character in the film as well. For mm-hmm. me, I didn't remember yeah. you know, it as much. But I think he did a really good job to get the energy right. And so, you know, it wasn't one of those things. It was done subtly, so it wasn't like, oh, we're really getting people to look just like them. It, they just had the essence. And then I think very smart costuming and hair and makeup. 
even just like even just like the body language that um dimitri did for roy schneider just the the shoulders back Mm. you know doing the crossword his sort of his drawl his slow speech because he's a very confident calm measured man i just loved it i absolutely loved this play yeah again i would say this is a play that will satisfy most well any jaws fans will love it because it it's telling you it's giving you a bit of an insight but any jaws fan any any film fan any film fan will enjoy it and then even if you knew absolutely nothing about any of it i think watching three people interact in that way like a small chamber piece play is just interesting even if it was fully fictional and you had no idea i think no, and I I would say to anyone um, who's going to go and see this, if you haven't seen Jaws or like maybe you watched it when you were a kid, watch it again. Yeah. I actually think that is my advice on this because it would just make your enjoyment. You don't need to; it's not complicated. It would just make your enjoyment yes. so much more when he does that speech or That's when they true, make because... references to a scene that they filmed earlier that day because it's all mm-hmm. taken from diaries. You know, this yeah. this is a lot of um, real accurate portrayal of making that film. It will just heighten the enjoyment. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's just brilliant. Yeah, I great. thought it was really good. It was great. Um, and also another great thing is that it's straight through, which we love. So it was an hour and a half. Yeah. 90 minutes like like a good like a good film should be. So that's really nice. You're just in it and then you're out. So everybody, I cannot recommend it enough. Go and see The Shark is Broken. Watch the film first, refresh yourself just yeah. so you get that added like enjoyment and you'll feel like you're part of it. If you have a Jaws t-shirt, wear it because Oscar wasn't the only one wearing one that night. Mm-hmm. It's on at the Ambassador's Theatre. We got to Daytix for £25 and we sat on the front row. And it was good. Stage, it was isn't, excellent. stage isn't too high, no. and I felt really in the mo- like in the scene. Yeah, this is something that us. I actually would say: the closer you can sit for your money, the better. Yeah, yes, yeah, so you can see the performances up close. Yeah. So yeah, today takes I'd highly recommend. We didn't have that much trouble securing them, so that would be our tip. Loved it. Brilliant. Well, our final review then is a review of something that we've had on the podcast before, which is Heather's. Have we? Yeah, in episode 23, all that time ago. Oh my god, Madeline went to see it. Yes, at the Haymarket, where it had already transferred from the other palace, where it originated with Carrie Hope Fletcher, who is now starring in Cinderella. And it was a, a kind of sleeper hit or, you know, cult hit at the other palace. By the time it transferred to the Haymarket, it already had a massive following. And yeah, it's just had this huge following. The film, again, has a cult following. It's based on a film from 1990, I think I want to say, with Winona Ryder and uh, Christian Slater. And it's a dark comedy and a sort of precursor to a lot of 90s films that came after a lot of teen, uh, you know, influences to Mean Girls and Clueless in the way it invented its own kind of language as well. Anyway, it's a dark, a very dark story for anyone who's seen the film about Veronica, a girl at school, and she's just trying to fit in at this high school. And she decides to, or inadvertently ends up in with the cool, the cool girls who are all called Heather. So she decides she's going to kind of, even though they're vile, she's going to join their sort of the Heathers to make her life at school easier and get through it. And... Then this new boy comes to town, the Christian Slater character, and he he's, he's dark, but he likes poetry. He's kind of gothy. <laughs> and she's like, oh, hello. Um, and then it all takes, I don't want to ruin the story, but it all starts taking a very dark turn, but in a, in a fairly satirical way. And it deals with issues of like teen suicide and then everyone's reactions around that. And this production 
differs from the film in that it goes a bit broader. It's very colourful. It's very poppy for anyone who's seen the images. And that's probably wise because you can't take like an indie film and sort of make it into a big stage musical. So this goes quite pop with it. And I think that's probably a good thing other than some of the themes from the film are inevitably just not going to transfer that well onto stage. And that was my first thing that felt a bit jarring was sort of one of the Heathers has bulimia and the that that presented on stage in a comedic way didn't quite chime for 2021. As a musical, I was really looking forward to seeing it because it has this cult following. Carrie Hope Fletcher has become a massive star, not just because of this, but this was the you know, what she'll be remembered for from by a lot of people and how a lot of people are introduced to her. Um, the tour cast were all really good. My major problem with it is just the music by Kevin Murphy and uh, Lawrence O'Keefe, who did the book and the music. And the music for me is really hit and miss. So there were some good numbers. Um, Shine a Light is really good fun. Um, the ballad that they sing together, 17, is good. They all have great voices. Um, I can see why people, why Carrie Hope Fletcher would have really excelled in this because she's got an amazing range and belt on her, as did the actress I saw. Um, but then the, the dud songs are really duds for me. So that it was a, it was a show of kind of two halves. Ups and downs. Yeah. Like the party song there, you know, the kids are throwing a, a party while the parents are away and the song is called Big Fun. And that's like the main line is big fun. Oh wow. That's really like the extent you could get for a party song is that it's going to be big fun and then they all just chant big fun. It was just like that, that number for me was terrible musically. However, I will say that uh, Gary Lloyd's choreography was really good. So even in that number, which I thought was such a weak song, the choreography and the way that all the cast kind of, there's so much going on yeah. that I thought it actually doesn't matter. It's moving the story along and I'm enjoying watching it. I'm just not enjoying the music. But for me, I'm that... enjoying watching this, just not listening to this bit. <laughs> yeah. The songs that didn't work just didn't work for me. And the ones that did weren't amazing. So it, I must say it was a, a tiny bit of a disappointment overall. Especially when we've been talking about, you know, you can't get a ticket for this thing. Yeah. The Heathers fans are known to be like the most hardcore. I can see why people like it because it's got that Mean Girls, um, thing and it's got that it's got its kind of own language and it is funny it's got some really funny moments although a couple of bits a couple of comedy bits were paced wrong for me there were some like pauses that weren't hitting the comedy rhythm properly for me but it does have some funny moments maybe it is just for a younger crowd perhaps in that in in it's sort of edgy but for a younger crowd Mm. whereas so yeah so I I think I had a really good time though don't get me wrong I enjoyed it it's quite slick. The production looks really good. Like I said, the choreography is good. The cast is really good. So it's got a slick um, shininess to it and it all, it looks great. It's just some of those songs kind of annoyed me. They were so bad. And that's This is shame. reminding me of my Cinderella review. Yeah. You know, when we you're like... We do like good music. Yeah. When you, th- kind of you sort of think us. a lot of the boxes in this are being ticked. But it's like 60% is what I'm giving the songs. I Not need, good enough. Yes, I need the Heathers, the titular Heathers, to be introduced with a song that's pretty banging. Yeah. Not Welcome to My Candy Shop. I'm just like, mm, that's not enough. That's not catchy. That's not telling me. Like, I need a really good song for them. Yeah. It's quite important. So 
ultimately a bit disappointed, but had a really good time. And I also think it's coming back to London. It's so popular. It's coming back and it's going back to its original home at the other palace where it will be on from November 25th to February 20th. And I feel like this is best seen at the other palace where it began. I can imagine it in that theatre, quite small, um, that intimate intimate space. Mm -hmm. I can imagine it working better or at the Southwark Playhouse where you're just, it's a bit more scrappy rather than a big, UK tour in the theatre, like the Theatre Royal in Brighton was maybe a bit too big for it. And you kind of need to feel that, like, feel like you're in it. You're in a cult, a small but cult hit. Um, so ultimately a bit disappointed. And I don't know if I would tell you to go and see it unless you had a friend who wanted to see it or someone who wanted to see a musical or was interested to see it and you could get a £20 seat. So okay. this is a £20-er for me. Yeah. So, okay. Well, good. I'm really glad that I'm really. I was really interested to hear what you thought of it. Yeah, and I, and I liked it, but this is like a don't panic. Get a twenty pound seat if you want to. If go. you want to go. Yeah. Um, the other palace isn't super cheap though. Unfortunately, front row is thirty five, thirty seven pounds still. I think you have to go on the very very back row, and then it's twenty. Mm. But it's a small theatre, so back row there is fine, and it's a big show. As in, like it projects out big. It's big, poppy, bright, so you're not going to miss anything. I don't. Think, I, by I being love on the. Back the row. Um, I love the costumes. Like I've seen the poster. Yes, the costumes I love are really the set bright. design and the costumes and everything. Just from the images I've seen, I love. Very 80s shoulder pads, bright, bold colours. It's a lot of fun. I just so I don't. I don't. I hope my review doesn't sound too like it was terrible. But maybe it was just overhyped a bit for me. Yeah. And listeners of this podcast, I'm sure if there's any Super Heather's fans out there. You know, post a comment on our when we release this podcast into our Instagram post on it. Let us know, you know, if you're a mathis, massive Heather's fan, what you love about it. But just for me, I guess it, it's not, yeah, I wasn't like, oh my God, I absolutely love it. So that was Heather's, uh, which I saw in the UK tour. It's now coming back to London, other palace till February 20th. And there's a few tour dates left as well, which I don't have in front of me, but go on the website. Um, so that's it. That was a, a great episode. I think we've seen two plays this week that we've both really enjoyed, Pride and Prejudice and Shark is Broken. Yeah, so um, but I think I would we're like book- to, Oscar, talk about... Um, we had a listener asking us about Drifter's musical and they don't want to do Today Ticks because they want to book it. Advance. Yeah, and they want to take somebody. Yeah. And what's your advice? Well, the end of... The row in the stalls that we sat in for City of Angels, I thought were good. We were row H and G, I think, and the very ends of those stalls, because it's a wide theatre, but not a wide stage. If you go on the end, you miss a little bit of the side of stage, but I think it makes up for it because you're quite close. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be my recommendation for cheap ones. I would say in that theatre, from what I remember from seeing the Scottsboro Boys, just avoid the upper circle ends because that upper circle is a tight U. It's like a real tight curve. And if you're on either side of it, you're just looking across the auditorium. You can't even see the stage. So don't don't get them because they're cheap, because it, it won't be worth the money. I would I think better to go at the very back of the stalls and deal with the overhang, but yeah. at least see the core section of the stage. Just don't go for those top seats. I think they're terrible. Thing is I did look at because I wanted to book it as well. And I did look at those seats at the ends 
that we mm-hmm. um, that we sat in before, which are really great value. Out? They're all booked out until January. Yeah, so people get those because they're good. Yeah, so I think maybe back of the stalls. Go back of the stalls, or book for January or February when you can get those seats, yes. and give it to your mum or whoever you want to take as a Christmas present. Yes, but just don't be tempted to go. Oh, these and the upper circle, the very first seat on the row is really cheap because. You know, especially towards the back. They're just too far back. Look on seatplan.com. That's what I do all the time. But I just remember those seats being pretty terrible. So I think better to get the cheaper ones that you can get at the back of the stalls or the back of the first circle and try and stay as central as possible. We haven't seen any reviews out for Drifters the Musical yet. It's only just begun, so there won't be any reviews. No, but... I haven't been invited to a press night or anything, alass. Oh, so I know, need to but we'll have to that. try and get, get, yeah, get to see it somehow. Beverly Knight, I really... Um, I really enjoy the things that I've seen her in. I really like her voice. She's usually in good productions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Her voice is amazing. Things. It's always worth listening to her. Yeah. Okay. So we until- love you, Beverly. We love you. <laughs> so until next time, this has been Theatre Club Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Theatre Club Podcast. And we'll be back at you in our next episode. Um, with what we do not know we don't know what shows we're going to see actually we're going to just have a look at what's out there we want to go see yeah so you've got that to look forward to thanks again for listening bye bye